Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Let's do our Bible confession, family. If you would repeat this after me, it'll be displayed before you. Let's go ahead and say it together, let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person that God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. No family kickoff right now. We're in the series Satisfied, but I'm going to start off with something that's going to be very relevant for today. Immediately afterwards, we're all going to gather together, those who are attending, and we're going to go and have some fun at the state fair. But let me show you something. I did a little research. I like to do some research. State Fair has a lot of different foods that come up, you know, when you do it on the Internet. And as you can see, they have a wide variety of whatever you want to get yourself into, whatever you want to make your doctor mad, get the doctor mad, you can get your doctor mad. You want to get your numbers out of whack, you can get your numbers out of whack. But they got stuff that's got donut stuff and fried stuff and macaroni and cheese on the sandwich and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? I don't have much issue with this. You do you, boo, when you go to the fair. But doggone it, in my opinion, I saw something and they done went too far. Look at this here mess. Look at this mess. What is this? Listen, pickles ain't got nothing to do with lemonade. And they selling it. And I want you to know if you go there and you ain't got nothing, you can't find nothing else better to drink. But pickle lemonade, something wrong. They didn't went too far. What the? I have no idea. Mm. If anybody, if it, I think I've said it all. Let's not get that when we there. Some people may like it, but I tell you what, out of everything at the fair, you got to be able to find something better to drink than that. But it's your money and your stomach. Give me my first image for the message. Not that one. Yeah. It's, it's, the, one, it's the one that has the vision and the goals on it. We're going to get to that one real soon. I'll go ahead and get started. They'll catch up with me. Loved ones, as you know, what we're doing is we're talking about our vision, the vision that God has for us. And that vision has three categories. Those categories, we're talking about restore, we're talking about re-engage, and we're talking about rebuild. We've already talked about restore. We're on re-engage. And right now, for re-engage, we are talking about something very specific. The goal for re-engage is this, you need to re-engage life without fear and without any kind of hesitation or condemnation or fear of failure, knowing that if you fall in the process of trying to re-engage life, that your risen king has empowered you to get up. 
And there are certain groups of scripture that we anchor ourselves around, but they're not the only ones. You have some in the book of Proverbs, some in the book of John, and you have some that's in the book of Romans. And you should all have those. There you go. There's your image. The thing about this, though, family, we have started to zero in on something very specific, a mental concept, a mental concept that if I were to put it in its simplest form is this. Waiting on God is fine. But doggone it, sometime you got to move. At times, you have to take action. Listen, there are instances in our lives where when we sit back and look at it, we say to ourselves, we expected God to show up with a solution for our issue. And when things don't work out the way we had hoped, we put all the blame on God. Well, loved ones, that blame is misplaced. There is never a case where God is not there for us. The issue might be that you and I are not in the place where we need to be to meet God. Let me put that in a different way. Lotus's image. Family, you are mad and you're blaming God because God did not show up here where you stand. But God never planned on meeting you here. God planned on meeting you there. And unless you move your tail from here to there, you will never meet God. Because God is not here. God is there. And you say to me, you say, well, pastor, I know you've told me and I've heard all my life that God is omnipresent. What do you mean that I'm going to be somewhere God is not? I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is God is expecting to meet you there in the place he expects you to be. You see, you can stay here. But there are certain things that are there that you won't get here. You see, there God has the people or the person you're supposed to meet. There God has your provision. There he has your favor. There he has the experience that will mature you. There he has the discipline that will jerk the slack out of you. There, he has vision for you to discover. There, he has wisdom to guide you. God has all of that there. But you don't get that if you stay here. In order to get what God has for you, you have to show up in the place that he wants you to be, and he expects you to be there. But oftentimes, you don't get from here to there unless you move your feet, unless you take action, unless you do something. As a bunch of believers, we get in this rut where we think that I'm just going to wait on God. You can wait on God, but waiting on God might keep you here.
And if you stay here, loved ones, you may never get there. You have to move your feet. You have to take ownership of your own faith. You can't expect it to be handed to you on a silver platter. Yeah, I know. Jesus Christ did everything we needed for him to do for us to have the opportunity to be a child of the king. But you know what you got to do? You got to do your part. You have to do your part to get in the place that God wants you to be. And when we think about this, we're going to continue to drive that, that, that thought home that we want your default to be to act and not wait. We're going to drive that home using our main character that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, this woman with the issue of blood. This is how Mark puts that, a part of that account. Notice, we're in the voice translation. Mark 5, verse 24, starting going through verse 29. Jesus began traveling with Jairus towards his home. In the crowd pressing around Jesus, there was a woman who had suffered continuous bleeding for 12 years, bleeding that made her ritually unclean and, what's that word? What's that word, family? Uh, stay with me. And an outcast, according to the purity laws. She had suffered greatly, and although she spent all her money on her medical care, she had only gotten worse. She had heard of this miracle man, Jesus, so she snuck up behind him in the crowd and reached out her hand to touch his cloak. The woman said to herself, even if I even if all I touch are his clothes, I know I will be healed. As soon as her fingers brushed his cloak, the bleeding stopped. She could feel that she was whole again. Now, family. Once again, this is only part of this account. We've read it already from start to finish. So we know that there are some actions that take place where she ultimately comes face to face with Jesus. But we're not going to move beyond this point right now because this part here has something that's very relevant for us to learn as it relates to moving our default from waiting to taking action. When you look at this account, let me tell you something. This woman had all kinds of pressure to wait. She didn't have to get out there in the crowd and pursue Jesus. She could have succumbed to her mental thinking about waiting. Now, when I think of that, though, many of you might be like, well, how do you, how do you, how do you come to that conclusion that she had a lot of pressure to wait? Well, she was an outcast according to the purity laws. If you have never read the purity laws, you will not have an appreciation for the amount of fear that she had being in that crowd. If you've never taken a look at those purity laws, you wouldn't have any idea of how the fear of being out and doing what she's doing would grip her psyche. I'm here to tell you it was probably weighty on her soul. Let's do this. 
in the book of Leviticus, it talks about the ritual purity. It's got standards. And the standard that's going to be applicable to her situation, at least most applicable to her situation, is one, I'm going to show you. But I want you to realize that this woman, as far as this law or this standard is concerned, she was probably well familiar with this law. Leviticus. Leviticus 15, and I'm going to do it in the good, the good news translation because it, the wording is most like the way we talk for this type of thing. Leviticus 15, verse 19 through 24. When a woman has her monthly period, she remains unclean for seven days. Anyone, say anyone, anyone who touches her is unclean until evening. Anyone. Anyone she bumps into, anyone. Anything on which she sits or lies during her monthly period is unclean. Anyone or any who touch her bed or anything on which she has sat must wash their clothes and take a bath and they remain unclean until evening. If a man has sexual intercourse with her during her period, he is contaminated by her impurity and remains unclean for seven days, and any bed on which he lies is unclean. Now hold it right there. That's a lot of anyone, a lot of anything, a lot of any, any kind of way. Now begin to get into her psyche now. This woman that's out in the crowd. Next few verses. Verses 25 to 28. This verse 25 is very applicable to her. If a woman has a flow of blood for several days outside her monthly period, or if her flow continues beyond her regular period, that's her, 12 years, she remains unclean as long as the flow continues just as she is during her monthly period. We're coming back to that. Verse 26, any bed on which she lies and anything on which she sits during this time is unclean. Any who touch them are unclean and must wash their clothes and take a bath. They remain unclean until evening. <clears throat> After her flow stops, she must wait seven days and then she will be ritually clean. And there are some other verses that talk about what she should get the priest to do to have the final cleanliness thing happened. But let's go back to here. If her bleeding continues beyond the regular period, she remains unclean. This woman has been unclean for 12 years. She ain't invited nobody house. She touched your doorknob, your doorknob unclean. She sit at your table, your table unclean. She sit on your couch, your couch unclean. She hold your baby, mm, your baby unclean. There is nothing that she has been able to do but sit in her unclean house with her unclean self for 12 years. Everything in her house unclean. Her sink unclean. Her refrigerator unclean. Her TV unclean. Her cell phone unclean. Her dog unclean. Everything unclean. Everything is unclean. And if this woman has the nerve to go out in a crowd, everybody she bumps into is unclean. 
Don't tell me that she wasn't scared. To make the move that she did, don't tell me she wasn't afraid. Don't tell me she didn't have some kind of monstrous fear that was clawing away at her on the inside. She was terrified. But greater than her fear was the fact that this woman was tired. She was tired of being sick. She was tired of going to bed every night, closing her eyes, thinking that, you know what, for the rest of my life, I may have to be locked away from the joys of everyday life. She was tired of being a social reject. This is this woman's life. She's tired. And she had tried everything that she knew how to try. Everything she could do to get her issue taken care of. Everything but one. She had yet to take her issue to Christ. This woman heard that this miracle man was coming by. And when she heard that this miracle man was coming by, guess what she did? She said to herself, I got to see this man. With this miracle man on his way, what happened inside of her? Her yearning for change took over. And that desire for change had her take a risk. She was willing to risk being out in public if it meant any possibility of getting a change from this miracle man. She was willing to risk embarrassment to see this miracle man. She was willing to risk ridicule, willing to risk condemnation, why? Because for 12 years, nothing else had worked. For 12 years. And now here comes this miracle man. And this woman is going to make a decision to go see him. But say this with me. Say she's got to take a risk. In order for her to see Christ, look at this. She had to take a chance on being caught in public, ridiculed, embarrassed, and condemned. In particular, she had to be willing to take the risk to break that Levitical law. If she was going to do it, she had to break this. Her resolve concerning this law is very reminiscent of the decision that Esther had to make long, long ago. Esther was caught between a decision. Do I play it safe and stay put or do I wait? Or do I break the law and go to the king? 
Look at the response concerning her decision that she gave to her uncle, Mordecai. Esther chapter 4, verses 15 through 16, in the voice. Once again, Hatach returned to Queen Esther with Mordecai's message. In turn, she sent a reply back to Mordecai. Esther said, you tell Mordecai, in preparation for my audience with the king, already telegraphing her decision, do this. Gather together all the Jews in Susa and fast and pray for me, intercede for me for three days and nights, abstain from all food and drink. My maids and I will join you in this time. And after the three days, I will go into the king and plead my people's case, even though it means breaking the law. And if I die, then I die. Esther says, I am going to take this case before the king in spite of the law. This woman with the issue of blood came to the same conclusion. Her mind is already made up. She is already settled. This woman says, I am going to take my case to the king of kings and the Lord of lords, regardless of the law. I'm going to go see Christ the king for my issue. I don't care what the law says. She's taking her case to the king. Loved ones, her mindset is quite simple. If I need to take a risk to go to the king, but there is any possibility that it'll take care of my issue, I am willing to take the risk. That risk, though, family, requires that she take action. That risk re requires that she not stay put. That risk requires that she go against the norm. Getting to Christ the King, getting to the spot she needs to get at to get her healing, Getting herself, listen, from here to there requires that she muster up the courage to go against the grain. Family, sometimes you got to go against the grain. Are you willing to go against the grain? Observe. Not this one. There is a time in your life that in order for you to get the solution that you are looking for in life, you have to muster up the strength and the courage to go against the grain and move yourself from here to there. 
You have to do that. Baby, you got to go against the grain. Are you willing to go against the grain to get to the place God wants you to be? Are you willing to go against the grain? Are you willing to go against a social norm to get where God wants you to be? Are you willing to go against religion? Are you willing to go against the grain? Are you willing to go against all the things that you you learned growing up? Are you willing to go against your upbringing to get to where God has your provision, to where God has all the people you need to meet, to where God has all of your favor? Are you willing to go against the grain? Are you willing to ruffle some feathers? Are you willing to push the envelope? Are you willing to go against the grain? Are you willing to go against the grain to get to the place that God has for you, to where your solutions lie, to where your answers lie? Are you willing to go against the grain? Hey, are you willing to go against your expectations from family and friends? Are you willing to do that to get to where God wants you to be? Well, but pastor, my mama expect me to hold up there now. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to say nothing crossways about your mama. But if what your mama expect out of you is not what God expects out of you, you got to be willing to go against the grain. Well, pastor, my daddy expects me to uh, I understand and you should respect and honor your father. But let me tell you this. If what your daddy wants you to do does not line up with what God wants you to do, you got to be willing to go against the grain of what your daddy say. Well, you know, my best friend says, well, I understand they're your best friend and everybody should have a best friend. Thank God for your best friend. But if what your best friend is telling you to do, if your best friend's advice is having you do something that is absolutely positively opposite of what God wants you to do, you got to be able to look at your best friend in the eye and say, baby, I'm going to go against the grain on that because that is not what God wants me to do. Are you willing to go against the grain to get from here to there? Are you willing to go against the grain, family? This woman, with everything she was facing, Levitical law staring her in the face, racked with fear, but wanting change. This woman was willing to go against the grain. And we know absolutely positively it's clear why she was willing to go against the grain. There's no mystery why she was willing to go against the grain. This lady had 12 years worth of reasons of why she was going against the grain. She went against the grain to stop her bleeding. She went against the grain to have some enjoyable sense of life. She went against the grain because doctor after doctor then took her money. She went against the grain because they made her worse, not better. She went against the grain because she was a social outcast. She went against the grain because she couldn't go visit nobody, couldn't go out nowhere. Everything she touched was unclean. There is clear indication of why she went against the grain. That's clear. But this woman has another lesson to teach us. 
Not about the why, but about the how. And now I'm going to share something with you. I built all of that up to share this point with you. And there are people who may not share this point with you or share this point of view with me. But like you know me very well, I'm not going to tell you anything without backing up what I say. And I promise you, when I tell you what I tell you, it's going to resonate in you so hard that you're going to say, dog on it, that grow is right. <laughs> it's going to hit you that way. We're going to build up to it, but when I say it, you're going to say, God, doggone diggity, this man right here. There is a certain insight and additional enlightenment that we're going to get when we dig into the how. Now, here's what we're going to do really quick. Knowing what we know now about what she was facing with this law, let us go back to Mark 5 and the same account in Luke. And let's read it with the first with fresh eyes. But this time we're focusing on how. Notice this. I'm going to you read it there. I'm going to read it from here. Mark chapter five, verses 24 through 29 in the voice. Jesus began traveling with Jairus towards his home. In the crowd, in the crowd, in the crowd, pressing around Jesus, there was a woman who had suffered continuous bleeding for 12 years, bleeding that made her ritually unclean and an outcast according to the purity laws. She had suffered greatly, and although she spent all her money on her medical care, she had only gotten worse. She had heard of this miracle man, Jesus, so she snuck up, behind him in the crowd and reached out her hand to touch his cloak. The woman said to herself, even if all I touch are his clothes, I know I will be healed. As soon as her fingers brushed his cloak, the bleeding stopped. She could feel that she was whole again. Luke says it this way. Luke chapter 8, verses 43 to 48 in the voice. In the crowd was a woman. She had suffered from an incurable, incurable menstrual disorder for 12 years and had spent her livelihood on doctors with no effect. It had kept her miserable and ritually unclean, unable to participate fully in Jewish life. She followed Jesus until she could reach him. She touched the fringe of his robe, of the robe he, Jesus wore, and at that moment, the bleeding stopped. Now, loved ones, let's get there. I read those quickly because I'm trying not to drag this out longer than it needs to be. And sometimes I get ahead of myself. So if I read those too fast, if not on purpose, they should be in your notes. Go back and read them for yourself. but let's get to the point here. Mark and Luke 
both let us know this woman was in the crowd. And they explained to us that she kind of crept up behind Jesus. These passages also, though, signal to us a noteworthy, very pertinent piece of information. Look close. They tell us that the woman snuck up behind Jesus in a sense to where she was able to follow him until she could reach him. That signals to us that her approach to Jesus took time. She ain't just run up on Jesus quick. Yeah, just follow me. It took time. She didn't just see Jesus and five seconds later had touched his cloak and she was, and she was healed. No. This woman was in the crowd for a while, bumping up against people, maybe shuffling her feet on her way to touch that cloak. It took time. The fact that it took time says this. While she was on her way to reach Jesus, she had to find a way to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in the crowd. While she was on her way to reach Jesus, she had to find a way to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with the thought that she might be recognized. On her way to Jesus, she had to find a way to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with her plan might be discovered. On her way to meet Jesus, she had to figure out a way to get comfortable with being uneasy. She had to figure out a way to get comfortable with being afraid. Family, she had to figure out a way to do that. And knowing all the restrictions she had, religious restrictions, social restrictions, that she had been an outcast, that she's just living this life for 12 years. In order for her to be in the crowd and sneak up behind Jesus and follow him until she could reach him, she had to disguise herself among the crowd. That's her how. In order for her to pull off this plan, she had to go in disguise. Loved ones, 
Because if she didn't, the crowd would try to stop her. Therefore, I say to you this, for her own good, this woman's pursuit of Jesus was her best kept secret. Notice. This woman, the best thing she did for herself was keep her pursuit of Jesus a secret. That's the best thing she did for herself. Why? Because if the crowd had known what she was going to do, somebody would have stopped her. She went in disguise. For sure, somebody knew her face. For sure, somebody knew her as the woman with that issue. <laughs> For sure, somebody would have blown the whistle. If only they had known the best thing she did for herself, for her own good, was to keep her pursuit of Jesus a secret. <laughs> if the crowd had only known, somebody in that crowd would have tried to stop her. You see, in that crowd, when people look at her, they only see her for the woman she is. They are not spiritually astute enough to even perceive the woman she would become after the touch. There is no way they would have been able to even comprehend what she would be like after Jesus. All they would know is the woman before Christ. And if they knew that she wanted to pursue Christ, they would have stopped her in her tracks. You see, they only know the woman they see. They only see the sick her. They don't see the woman that she'll become after the touch. They only see the broken her. They don't see the woman she'll become after the touch. They only see the old her. They don't know that after the touch, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. They don't have any kind of perception of what she will be after the touch. She's going against the grain, and the best thing she can do is to keep that pursuit a secret. Because if she doesn't, there are people in the crowd that's going to stop her from reaching Christ. This woman's pursuit of Jesus is her best kept secret. Likewise for you, family. Yeah. You see where I'm at now. As believers, we have come 
to have a bent of advertising everything that we're doing in pursuit of God to everybody. You have become accustomed to talk about your pursuit and getting to a closer relationship with God to everybody. But family, my darlings, sometimes for your own good, the best thing you can do is to keep your pursuit of Christ a secret. Hmm. This woman had to get to a spot. For her to get to that spot, she had to go against the grain. In order for her why and her how to align, she had to figure out a way to get to Jesus in a manner that she wouldn't get stopped by the crowd. We need to wise up. Because everything that you do in your pursuit of Christ is not necessarily something that other people want you to get. There are people who, if given the chance, will hinder your pursuit of Christ. And a lot of times they hinder it because you told them what you was doing. Your pursuit of Christ, there are times when that is your best kept secret. And we'll put a pin right there. I just want that, let that marinate. Until next time, we're going to pick up with, from there, talking about that. But this woman, even though she had the best of plans on how to get to Christ, if she had telegraphed what she was doing, she would have been unsuccessful. Not because her heart wasn't in it, not because she didn't want to do it, but because others did not want her to reach Jesus. Love you. We'll pick up from there next time. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is true and that your love for us was so great that you gave to us all the best that you had. I declare everyone's heart here and under the sound of my voice desires to pursue you 
And in that pursuit, we will be wise enough to identify any hindrance to our closeness with you. Allow us to be sensitive to your spirit on the things that we are to share regarding the things that you're having us do. And we thank you, God, in advance for the celebration we will have when we reach the spot you want us to be. Be at. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.